0: This is an APAC EO production. Welcome to Episode 73 of the EO Business Podcast for APAC. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Kim Liddell from NDEA. I always get a little bit of anxiety when I'm I'm, uh, saying people's business names. So what does NDEA stand for, Kim?
1: Yeah, hi Brendan. Thanks for having me. NDEA is actually non-destructive excavations Australia. Why I came up with that name back in the day is beyond me. So we've shortened that to NDEA much easier for everybody concerned.
0: And, and do your customers know you as that as well?
1: They do. Absolutely. Oh, that's cool.
0: That works. Yeah. So so they don't even know the long name or they
1: They might have known it back in the day. And yeah. non-destructive excavations, even though we coined the term, is actually an industry. Used uh, term now, so anyway, mixed oh, right. up with NDA.
0: <laughs> oh wow! Okay, so how did you get into uh, disrupting things?
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, that, we, it's
0: demolition, is it?
1: No, it's actually in a really specialised niche field of operation. So we do vacuum excavation and hydro excavation. So we dig with high pressure water for underground services. All oh, right. So gas mains, optical fibres, electrical conduits, those sorts of things. And they yeah. are like your insurance policy. We come in and we call ourselves a subterranean safety specialist and we come in and locate and expose the underground services so that a big civil contractor can come in then and construct a project safely, knowing where all those, uh, you know, dangerous things under the ground are lurking.
0: Yeah, because I, I bet it's bloody expensive if they don't do it and they hit – like a utility it's just like oh
1: they could take out the optical fiber between sydney and melbourne and that would be just something
0: small like that
1: (laughs) that's right exactly let alone let alone break a water main or a gas main or you know the essential services you know we walk on a ground you know the ground covers all those services and most people don't even give it a second thought but when it's damaged we certainly you know know what happens then
0: So do you find that most of your customers actually use a service like, I don't know, dial before you dig to work it out? Or do they just You have to use
1: Dial Before You Dig. It's it's a crucial part of the process. The difference is though that the what's written in the plans may not necessarily be what you find underground. You know, a contractor may have taken a shortcut or they might have hit a you know, let's call it a roadblock as in a tree root or something's gotten in the way and they've moved the service slightly and that may not have been documented. So we're we're pretty much your insurance policy. We come in and show you exactly where it is and then that makes jobs safe.
0: And so how do you get your customers?
1: We work with the big tier one contractors, civil excavation companies, utility providers, and actually these days, the use of non-destructive excavation is written into their contracts. So they seek us out because it's a necessary and important part of the process.
0: Oh, wow. How long's the business been going for?
1: I'm, we're just about to turn 16.
0: Oh, so right. I had so... my,
1: my first truck went to work the week my third child was born. So I had, to, had my hands full with three kids or bubbles, really, yeah. and uh, a brand-new business on my hands back in oh, the day.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So, like, over that 16 years, have you hit any – I don't know, times where you've kind of bit over the business?
1: Oh, of course. I think I <laughs> my life works in seven-year cycles. <laughs> okay. So, you know, come the first seven years into the business was about the time I joined EO and that was a lifesaver. That really helped me re- refresh my passion and interest in business. And then seven years later... Uh, which was, you know, a couple of years ago, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do now? So, yeah, step up onto the board of EO. Obviously, I'm in the President's role this year, which is, gives me great pleasure. So, yeah, just keep upping the ante in different ways to keep my interest inside the business and outside as well.
0: Well, we'll definitely touch on the EO presidency a little bit later in the interview, but I'm keen to hear a little bit more about um, your business still. Um, yes. How many staff do you have? And it, it sounds oh, like you need a lot of equipment.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I'm the trucker. I have a fleet of trucks and small equipment and, you know, light vehicles and all sorts of things. So yep. um, yeah, definitely have a lot of equipment, which is quite capital intensive. Yeah. And a team of, you know, we hover just above 20. That's about, yeah, normally around 20 to 25 people.
0: And so if you've got more work, you just pull in contractors, I'll take it to... Correct.
1: Yeah. yeah. But they're all, all my team are directly employed. But yeah, yep. if we have extra capacity. We certainly reach out to others in our industry. It's a very uh, friendly sort of industry yeah. to work in.
0: And how has it been being a woman in, you know, what would typically be seen as a, a male dominated, you know, construction? Has that been actually, I'd imagine it'd be an advantage in some ways.
1: Oh, it's absolutely a male-dominated industry. There's only 5% women in construction, civil construction in New South Wales, and about 76% of those are in admin roles. So oh, right. We're quite the, a uh, rare, rare yeah. breed. Uh, it's, it's, it's worked in my favour, and at times it's worked definitely against me. Yeah. Uh, but what I can say is, you know, I've been involved with the Civil Contractors Federation for many years. I'm their vice president as well at the moment, and they've been extremely supportive and we've started women's mentoring programs or women in civil program but just you know really making inroads in that area and you know what it's one of the industries in Australia that actually doesn't have a gender pay gap we just don't have enough women yet.
0: yeah right <laughs> yeah because I'm just thinking I mean this is probably a bit of a stereotype but I'd imagine guys just get in there with a hammer without thinking and start smashing stuff up I think that was Uh, old uh, school.
1: Maybe these days you can't quite do that anymore. (laughs) But a woman
0: would be a little bit more considerate and, I don't know, like think it out before they they jump in.
1: You do find, and there's a lot of evidence, particularly in the mining sector, that we can learn from about how women treat their trucks. Uh, Very particular. They're (laughs) very diligent. They're great drivers. They look after the gear. So there's a lot to be said for having women on the team. Yeah, wow. Besides the fact that it brings diversity and creative thinking.
0: Oh, 100%. So have you got um, more women on your team, either as operators or in executive roles? Or tell me a little bit about that.
1: I do. It's actually really hard to find female operators. And we do our darndest to promote the opportunity. Uh, I've got two at the moment, but it comes in fits and spurts. So yeah, yeah, the more we do in the industry to promote that a, a woman is just as good and as, as a man in those roles, uh, mm. we just need more women coming up through the ranks and I think, I actually think the gender bias from even from birth and throughout schools has a lot to do with it and, mm. you know, there need to be some changes in that field.
0: And are you uh, adept and competent with all your machinery? Or, oh, or... look,
1: I always say the right person for the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm the manager and, you know, the yeah. visionary and the one with the foresight to keep it going at the strategic level but I've definitely got specialists that operate the gear although I can hear if a truck's not sounding right yeah, yeah yeah
0: no it's a bit like I remember the first business I had owned a, a translation agency and people would always hit me up with oh so how many languages do you speak <laughs> I was like "Ah, uh, just English but you know it's just that that management role to make things happen
1: absolutely but I've always been a bit of a what you would class in the old days as a tomboy you know I I, I sailed for many years I was always down in the engine room I've always had a bit of an interest around machines and machinery and trucks and vehicles and things like that so it's not surprising that I ended up where I am
0: is it a family business like is your husband involved or he does his own thing
1: no, it's not a family business. I started it from scratch myself. I did actually give my husband, who's unfortunately my ex-husband, a job about six years ago. But right. um, for the nine years prior to that, it was purely and solely mine.
0: Yeah, wow. And so you've got partners now or? have always run it yours? by myself. Yes. Awesome. Oh, yeah. that's great. Well done. <laughs> I'm and, the
1: sole, you know, yeah. single-handed Lone uh, ranger. <laughs> and I guess
0: that's where EO probably like a lot of us entrepreneurs, it's like that's where that comes involved because lonely, oh. at, lonely at the top at times and no, no one to share all the scraps off. yeah.
1: Yeah, it was a very lonely place, particularly in a male-dominated industry and, you know, I've, my business has grown organically. I studied business years and years ago, but realistically it grew organically and, and EO has been an incredible support mechanism and network to help me get to where I am today.
0: Mm. And so with just on that, with your equipment, like it's you organically funded or you get finance or.
1: Yep. I've, uh, I've done it all organically. I have self-funded Yep. Uh, when one truck was busy, I bought another one. Yep. Uh, At a point in time, I decided I might start a couple of other different things. You know, we actually did with high pressure water for underground services and I, and I felt very compelled to solve the problem of the waste disposal side of things mm. and how we use drinking water for construction. The whole of the industry does. And I thought there's got to be a better way. So I traveled to Europe and found some amazing technology, brought it back to Australia. I've been involved in uh, the whole process of setting up a recycled, a recycling facility actually to recycle the mud slurry. So all those things along the way, I've self funded. Uh, I sold a investment property at one stage to prop things up, Mm. just whatever it took, really.
0: Yeah. Well, there's certainly New South Wales has been booming in construction for the last, well, ever since I can remember. Are you riding that wave?
1: It's actually a really interesting topic. Uh, So, yes, it is booming. Yes, we're having amazing things happen in our state. But as a subcontractor, jobs are tougher Rates are lower. Margins, are, the construction industry margins are slim as it is. I know big tier one con- companies make about two or three percent net profit. So wow. you know it's it's a it's a tough game to be working in. It's a really hard and fast, uh, slim margin environment. And so you've got to have your wits about you to make money and not lose it all overnight.
0: Two to three percent. I mean, that's no margin for error.
1: Correct. You, and so if you, if you, imagine if you price that, that
0: wrong, you're you're screwed.
1: Absolutely. And so if you imagine they're my client, they're my, you know, I'm their customer. And yep. so they're, they're squeezing every last dollar in every area they can possibly find. And when you get down the line to someone like us, a subcontractor on a project, you know, it's tight, it's tough, and you have to be good at what you do.
0: Mm, 100%. And so with this recent lockdown with construction, we were just talking earlier. Um, before we started recording. How's that going to, I mean, they're saying two weeks. Um, How's that going to, you know, you've got 20 staff. What do you do? Can you, can you do stuff outside of Sydney or uh, is it New South Wales wide, the the lockdown? I think it's just greater Sydney, isn't it? It's
1: actually not New South Wales wide. It's greater Sydney. However, my work is in greater Sydney and all my team are in greater Sydney. There are, there are, potentially opportunities outside of that but unfortunately i've stood down my team and parked up my trucks
0: all oh, right I, okay yeah. so, you, so you you were you were fast you just went stood yeah, down it's, until
1: it's the first time in australian history that the construction sector has closed uh in new south wales we our industry employs about a quarter of a million people it's it's a big thing to yeah. be happening and i we work very closely with government. I sit on the industry board. I've been on there for a long time. Uh, I'm their vice president, and I we, we work very closely with government. I do believe, you know, they have our best interests at heart, and they had to do something to quash this latest Delta mm. variant. But it's it's a massive impact. I do also believe that we will reopen on the 31st of July.
0: Yeah, right. So support. So the strategy of standing down your staff is that so they can then go and get government benefits in the interim? Correct. Yeah.
1: Or they can take leave.
0: Or they can take Which leave. Which is a bit
1: tough really when you know yeah. you're forced well, to stand down and it's not a yeah. holiday, is it?
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. Yeah.
1: It's a really it's a really hard time and as a business owner it's it's very it's very difficult and, to have and- to make those decisions.
0: And then your, um, I guess you would have consulted with your industry group to go, what's everyone else doing? What's the best strategy? Um,
1: Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The industry group has been amazing, and we're we're running flash conferences every couple of days to support our members. Uh, we're having between 150 to 200 people joining those calls. Uh, we have a legal department that gives advice within the within the organisation. It, mm. It's it's a really big deal. It's it's tough. It's unprecedented, and mm. everybody's just doing the best they can do to get through this.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, look, we might segue on back onto EO now. Um, president for FY22. Yes, um, good on you. Um, why? <laughs> I like to ask that question. It's a yeah. big role.
1: It's a really big role. I've been involved with the board for a while. I I started out actually with the Accelerator program. Uh, We were talking about Leon Black earlier, who's just graduated from Accelerator to EO, which is super exciting. Yep. Uh, Episode
0: 72, uh, shameless plug. (laughs) So, yep, if you want to go and listen to Leon's story.
1: Absolutely, and I recommend you should. Um, Okay, why? Well, as we discussed, I joined EO... Just over. Oh, it was about ten years ago, I think. It was I was living in a really lonely place, running a business by myself. Um, yeah, just found EO by fluke, and have been very well supported and loved the whole concept about what EO has and delivers. From from teeny tiny, I have had a thirst for learning. I would, uh, and and I'm a bit adventurous. I would tell my mum, I'd pack my bag and I'd tell her I'm off to see the world. Are you coming? She'd always yep. have an excuse not to come, but I was desperate to get out there. And I think EO delivers a lot of those things. It ticks a lot of boxes for me. It ticks the, the learning. It ticks the adventure side. It ticks the passion for business and leading people and all those sorts of things. And so it was just a natural progression to keep, Building and growing and finding a better way. And I figured that the best way to do that to the next level is to put my hand up and
0: take yep. the role and
1: serve the members.
0: Yeah, good on you. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, and, and like, so what's your plan?
1: Well, I'm super passionate about it. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't have to fake any of this. It, yeah, it's like yeah. a little shining light in my life. And, and so because I'm more of a better way person, my theme is Elevate 360. It's all about inclusion. It's all about making a difference. It's about looking, not leaving any stone unturned pretty much. So that 360 concept and 1% increases across the whole gamut of the organization that I can access, Mm. uh, is my goal. And, and that's where our, our standing board for this year as well. So, you know, I've created some team challenges. I've set, set some little goals for them and, uh, Hopefully, you'll be feeling that through the membership as time goes on.
0: Well, I signed up last night to the whiskey night. I thought that looked pretty good fun. <laughs> yes. So,
1: yes, well, we, we as, as any business has to do in a time of, uh, you know, pandemic and, and a greater Sydney lockdown, we had to pivot and work out what we could do to deliver extra value and support our members. So, last night, we rolled out a whole new program of events that hopefully will tick the boxes. In some regard, for some people, and hopefully for many.
0: Yeah. Well, look, fingers crossed. It's uh, we're not locked down for months and months and months, but um, <laughs> yes. there's some great alternatives if you want to if you want to get involved, right? You can
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: Just switch absolutely. on switch online for a while, which isn't everyone's cup of tea. It's definitely not my cup of tea, but you can still. Find some gold nuggets um, amongst the online stuff for sure. You
1: can, and and when we're in lockdown, if that's all we'll have, that's what we'll take. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: yeah, hundred percent. So, yeah. um, so what's the future looking like? You've got you've got this year's, um, you know, you've EO presidency. Your business sounds like it's, um, you know, super well established. Yes. What are the plan? And you you said you had three children, so. I um, do.
1: I have three amazing kids, actually. They're all home with me still. So Jake's 21, Bryn's 19, and Alexandra's 15. So my youngest has a couple of years of school to get yeah, through, yeah. which will be interesting and challenging because she's not a school lover like I was. Right. Okay. <laughs> so that's a bit of a journey. And then my two boys are very passionate sailors on on a trajectory for the Olympics so oh, in right. sailing. So yeah. we, uh, we live on Lake Macquarie and they – train every day up here and it's uh, actually I think they're glued to the television at the moment so if you hear any yelling it's someone winning at the softball which has just started for in Tokyo
0: <laughs> ah okay cool and so with that with the kids growing up and well, have you got plans to I don't know exit the business or you're gonna playing a long game and it's more of a lifestyle thing
1: oh look it's definitely a lifestyle thing it was always a lifestyle thing obviously yeah. because I started. When I had three babies, basically babies and toddlers, yeah. and so my business has always been a lifestyle choice to provide flexibility to do other things. And for me, it's all about family. I love it, love having them around. Might chain them to the to the house or something. I don't know. That sounds terrible, <laughs> but um, hopefully, you know, they won't venture too far. And when they do, they always know where they can come back to.
0: And you, and you're out of Sydney. You are you in Newcastle or near?
1: I'm, I'm just south of Newcastle, so oh, okay. half an hour south of Newcastle on Lake Macquarie. So Australia's oh, right. largest saltwater lake, actually. Okay. Yeah.
0: And have you um, always lived in that area or?
1: I know. I'm an Adelaide girl. I grew oh, up right. in Adelaide and yep. I left at 20 to sail on the Young Endeavour from Greece to America and then just never went home.
0: <laughs> I don't know where your kids got the, the love of yeah. sailing from
1: yeah that's right that's right well actually when they when they were eight and ten i thought oh this is enough of school sport and football and those sorts of things i'm taking you down to the sailing club and finding you a club that has a great kids training program and they took to it like ducks oh, to order and you know so we cool. just haven't looked back they have a they have a you know international group of friends they uh, yeah we're actually just trying to work out how to navigate the pandemic and getting them overseas to regattas in their lead up to the 2024 Olympics.
0: Amazing. Okay, Kim, well, thank you so much for um, spending that time with us and and explaining all about NDEA and and your role at EO. If people want to find out a little bit more about um, your business, how can yes. they, What uh, what's your website?
1: Yeah, you can find us at ndea.com.au or you can actually find me online anywhere pretty much if you just type in Kim Liddell, you'll probably find me.
0: Yep. <laughs> That's brilliant. Okay, Kim, thank you so much.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's a great pleasure. Thanks, Brendan.
0: You've been listening to an APAC EO production. I hope you've been enjoying listening to the podcast. If you are, it would be great if you could help us out by leaving us a review and sharing this with friends and colleagues.